Greetings, everyone. This is Pastor Mike, and I'm at home in one of the upstairs rooms in my house with my Bible open to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where it says in verses 20 through 22, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. In the mid-1800s, in Ireland, there was the Great Potato Famine. And there was a man, had a wife, several kids, just struggling to survive. Many of his friends had died in the famine. Many more had chosen to leave and emigrate to America. He began to hear stories of America as the land of opportunity, as the land of promise where you can get a fresh start. So he determined in his heart, I'm going to get me and my family to America. But he was poor, had no money. So he, he scrimped, he saved, he sacrificed. And it took them years. But after several years, he managed to pull together just enough money for a passage, for a ticket for him and his family to go to America. So the day came for them to leave. They packed up their few belongings gathered some food, a few loaves of bread and some cheese, and got on the ship bound for America. Now, the passage was about two weeks long, and it didn't take long before their food ran out. And they would, they would watch as passengers would go into the dining car, and all this food was there, and, and they would eat to their heart's content. And days began to go by, and they had no food. And this man started to think, what am I going to do? One day an announcement came over the loudspeaker and the captain said that the wind and the currents have not been favorable and, and we're not going to arrive at our destination on time. It's going to be several days, if not a week later, for us to arrive in New York City than we had originally thought. And this man thought, I'm not going to make it that long. We have no food. So in desperation, he went down to the kitchen and he, and he begged the man in charge. He said, Listen, me and my family, we, we have no food. I'll work. I'll wash dishes. I'll, I'll clean the floors. I'll do anything. You don't have to pay me. Just, just I'll work for food, whatever the leftovers are from the people in the dining room. And the man in charge of the kitchen kind of looked at him with an odd look. He said, just one minute. And he went and he called the purser down. And the purser came in and he saw this man and he said, you know, sir, there are serious consequences for being a stowaway on this ship. And the man said, well, what are you talking about? I'm not a stowaway. I've, I've got a ticket. Look, right here. I, I, and he handed him the ticket. He had it in his pocket. And the man said, then what are you doing down here? He says, well, I, me and my family, we have no food. And I'm, just, I'm, I'm saying I want to work just so I can earn some food for my family so that we won't starve. And the man looked at him. He said, sir, handed him back his ticket and said, all the meals are included in your ticket. This story makes me think, how often do we as Christians struggle to gain that which we already possess in Christ? So much of what we strive for is already included in the ticket. 
But like this man, we don't experience what is ours because we either don't know it already belongs to us or we don't know how to get to the dining room, how to experience that which we already possess. So how do we apply this? To help apply this, I think it's helpful to understand that there's a difference between positional truth and practical or experiential truth. Because often there's a disconnect between my knowledge of the things of God and my experience of the power and presence of God. It is through God's promises that I can participate in the divine nature, that I can experience practically the blessings which are mine positionally in Christ. Ephesians 1 says that I have every spiritual blessing positionally in the heavenly realms in Christ. What God has done is allowed you and me to be participants in the divine nature by placing us in Christ. And it is then through God's great and precious promises, it says, that we can experience these blessings through our knowledge of him. This passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 shows us how this actually works. It says there in verse 20, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. There are two words in quotations that represent actions to be taken by us in faith. Yes, first of all, that is declaring our agreement with God's promise. It's the truth which we know and that we then fix our eyes upon. We declare, yes, Lord, I believe that what you say is true. And then the second word there in quotation marks is amen, or literally, let it be so. The amen is simply an act of faith. It's me declaring in prayer, let it be so. Amen, Lord. God wants me to declare his promises over my life, over my family, over my city, over my circumstances, whatever the case may be. Faith is the conduit by which I connect what is yes in Christ positionally to my experience practically. God's promises are like the extension cord that runs from heaven to earth. Faith is the light switch that brings light into my reality, into my experience. God makes it easy for us. Faith isn't something I have to work up or, or work towards. Often faith is a simple prayer. I say yes to God's promise and amen to create through faith that conduit to bring his promise into my experience. Here's a simple example. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So here's a promise. What is it? What is God's promise? God will meet all my needs. So I declare by faith his promise over my situation today, saying, yes, you will meet my need according to your word. Amen. Let it be so. Another example, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I love this one. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. What is God's promise? I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. 
In this case, how is God asking us to exercise faith, to humble ourselves and pray? Seek God's face. Turn from wicked ways. God's answer is not a reward for our actions. It's simply through faith that we become partakers of the divine nature. What was positional truth now becomes practical truth. This verse is at the core of the city transformation teaching that I bring to pastors in different parts of the world because this is a promise primarily to God's people corporately. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. This is why we hold prayer summits all over the world. We declare together God's promises, his blessing, his authority over cities and villages and regions to tear down principalities and powers and to welcome and install Jesus Christ as Lord and King over these places that his rule would bring transformation and a healing of the land. There's a lot more to it than that, and we'll explore some of those things as we talk about unified prayer and spiritual authority. But the underlying principle is this. All the promises of God are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. This applies to each of us as believers, as well as to nations, including our nation, I was super encouraged several weeks ago during the National Day of Prayer. Many different people prayed during the Rose Garden ceremony at the White House. But I happened to tune in when Paula White Kane was praying for the country and for the president. It was awesome. And her prayer was a perfect example of what we've been talking about in terms of declaring God's promises and asking God to move according to his word. I always encourage us during this podcast to go straight from God's word to prayer. Today, I'm going to end this podcast by simply playing a recording of that prayer and to invite you to come into agreement as we say to the Lord, yes, Lord, and amen. Let it be so. May God move according to his word in our nation. And may we continue also to declare God's promises over our lives, over our families, over our church our cities, our nations. So God, we come in agreement with your word and with your name, the name of Jesus. Psalm 40 verse 17 says, you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O God. I declare no more delays to the deliverance of COVID-19. No more delays to healing and a vaccination. No more delays to restoration of this great nation, the United States of America. For Psalm 71, 2 says, In your righteousness, deliver us and rescue us. Incline your ear and save us. Psalm 107 says, You deliver us out of distress and out of destruction. Your word will not return void, according to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. So I declare your word. I declare divine intervention and supernatural turnaround. You will restore this land. According to Psalm 118.25, save our nation, O Lord, and send prosperity now. For Deuteronomy 28.8 says, command your blessing upon this land. You said in Deuteronomy 8.9 to bring us into a good land without any lack. For your word declares in Psalm 33.2, blessed is the nation whose God is Lord. So I declare you right now to be Lord over this nation, over the United States of America, 
and we receive your blessing over any plague, over any economic distress. You will stay the hand of the enemy according to 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 16. When 70,000 men died by a plague, David cried out as he covered himself in prayer. And the Lord answered and said, it is enough. Stay now thine hand. Lord, let that be the cry today. And let that be your answer. Lord, enough coronavirus. Enough to death. Enough to fear. Enough to poverty. Stay thine your hand. We pray over President Trump and First Lady, Vice President, and Second Lady, and this administration. I declare Psalm 89, verse 21. Let your hand establish President Trump and let your arm strengthen him. I declare Psalm 98, 1, that your right hand and your holy arm will give him victory. We declare victory in the name of Jesus. Isaiah 58, 11 says, guide him continually. And you said in Psalm 78, 72, that you would guide him by the stillness of your hand. You declared in Psalm 43, that send out your light and truth and let him lead his household, his administration in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, we pray for your mercies, for they are new every single day. And every morning, your mercies are new. Your steadfast love never ceases. I declare new mercies for hospital workers, new mercies for doctors and nurses, moms and dads, pastors and clergies, CEOs and employers, for the president, vice president. God, your love is steadfast and it endures forever. So right now, wrap your arms of love around every person who is hurting, every person who is confused, scared, tired, weary, sick, lonely. Let them know your love. Let them know that you will never leave them and you will never forsake them. And in conclusion, I declare Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. I ask the Lord to do a new thing in our nation by giving waters in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Malachi 4.2 says, Jesus, arise over the nation with healing in your wings. President, one last word. Like David, who had had victory after victory after victory after victory, would face his biggest battle. It was called Ziglag. And they would take his wives and his children and the city would be burned down. And he cried and he wept. And he began to pray out to God and God gave him a word. And through fasting and praying, I believe this is the word for you and for this nation. The Lord spoke to him and said, pursue and go after them and you shall without fail recover all. Sir, the word of the Lord, I believe for this nation and for this administration is you will recover all.